So we're going to go to Matthew 5, and um, I want to just read some stuff. Now, this is interesting, and I know this is going to kind of maybe bore some people in here, but just when you're reading the Bible, you have to read things in context, right? And so the best way to interpret the Bible is with the Bible itself. And so we could read this whole thing, Matthew 5, all the way to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, to get context, but we don't have time to do all that tonight. And so I just want to hit the highlights. Uh, in here, Jesus is doing a lot of teaching. He's teaching about the blessing of the Lord. I'll just give you the headers, all right? The headers are these dark things that are written in black right there. I'm going to read them to you guys because you need to know this. This is important for where we're going. Teaching about salt and light. So there's a section where Jesus teaches about salt and light and how we are supposed to be salt and light. Teaching about the law. He does a little teaching about how the law of Moses was established and some people thought that the Messiah was coming to destroy the law and Jesus was like, no, 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 chill out, chill out. I'm not here to destroy the law. I'm here to upload the law. I'm even here to take it higher because like the law says, if you're married and you cheat on your wife, you're an adulterer. But Jesus said, if you even look at another woman, you're an adulterer. And so he said, I'm not here to abolish the law. I'm here to elevate it, which means I'm raising the standard. Listen to me, guys. If you listen to a preacher, and probably not many of you do, but some of you might, if you listen to a lot of these celebrity teachers, don't ever let them, if they're teaching something where Jesus is cool with like us not living right, what they're doing is lowering the standard, and Jesus didn't lower the standard. He elevated the standard, all right? And so we have to, so Jesus is teaching about, you know, the law, and he's telling, I'm not here to abolish it. And then he teaches about anger, and he talks about, like how it's not good to be angry and we shouldn't be angry. And then he teaches about adultery and then he teaches about divorce and then he teaches about vows and then he teaches about revenge and then he teaches about loving your enemies. And this is where I pick up. So did you guys catch all those things that Jesus was teaching on? It was a lot. Now watch this. It says, you've heard that the law of Moses says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and good. He sends rain onto the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what good is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? So Jesus is painting a picture. He's like, everybody's kind to the people they like. But if you're going to be a follower of mine, you can't just be kind to people you like. You've got to be kind to everybody. You can't just love those who love you, but you've got to love your enemies. So even if someone's saying something bad about you, even if someone's doing something bad towards you, you need to love those people because you're a follower of me. You're not a follower of the world. So he says, if you're only kind to your friends, how are you different than anyone else? Even the pagans or the backslidden do that. Now look at this. But you are to be perfect even as your father is perfect. And so remember all those different things we talked about. Jesus talking about being salt and Jesus talking about being light. Jesus talking about not being angry, talking about, you know, being one man to one woman, you know, talking about marriage and vows, talking about being salt and light and, and talking about all these things. And then he wraps up this whole chapter by saying, be perfect like God is perfect. And when I first saw that word, it scared me because I know on the inside of myself, there's no way I could be perfect. Has anybody else in the room ever felt like that? You know, you could try your best. It's kind of like the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, where it's like, oh, I want to do good things. I want to be this good dude. I want to serve Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. But yet at times, my flesh gets the best of me, and I make a mistake, and I go back and forth from good to evil, good to evil, good to evil. And he's like, how can I ever be saved from this? And then he says, only Jesus 
Christ can help. And so I saw that word perfect, and I was just like, oh, I can't be perfect. Am I going to fall short? But then I looked up that word in the Greek, and that word perfect right there, it doesn't mean perfect as you and I would think. What that word perfect right there actually means is be complete as God is complete. And I started thinking about it, and I was like, there's nothing missing from God. Like, he is complete. You know, and, and he, 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 there's nothing that needs to be added to him. He is God, you know. He, he's amazing. And he's not like God like we see him. If you've been down to Huntsville, does anybody know what egg batter Jesus is? <laughs> it's that Baptist church down there where it's just like Jesus splatted on the side of the building. It's funny how man has this picture of God. But really when you think about God, there's nothing missing and there's nothing lacking. He is complete. So when Jesus said, be perfect as I'm perfect, what he was saying is, be complete as your heavenly Father is complete. Now, what's so interesting about this is all those things that he told us in Matthew 6, the reason why he wraps it up this way is because he knows the only way you'll be able to fulfill those things is if you're complete as the Father's complete. The only way you can love your enemies is if you're complete. The only way you can be salt and light is if you're complete. The only way you can do good in this life is if you're complete. And it got me thinking about a puzzle. And so I got a Peppa Pig puzzle right here. I, I love Peppa Pig. I'm sorry, I really do. I know it's childish, but there's a, if you've, has anyone ever watched Peppa Pig before? Yes, don't be ashamed. Be proud. I've watched it. There's this one episode. I got to just indulge you for a second. There's this one episode of Peppa Pig where she's trying to learn how to whistle and she can't learn how to whistle. And so she's like telling everybody and every time she tries to whistle, she just blows air and it's like, and so she calls like her best friend on the phone and she's like, it's impossible. Peppa Pig is telling her friend, nobody can do it. And her friend's like, really? I've never whistled before. How do you do it? And then the very first time she tries, she just goes, like a perfect whistle comes out. And I love it because what Peppa Pig does is she doesn't explain it. She just hangs up the phone. <laughs> she's just like, so like just click. And that, that's so great. But anyways, I was thinking about a puzzle. And I was thinking about how our lives are kind of like this puzzle. And I was thinking about how over in Ezekiel, it talks about before Jesus, we have this heart of stone, or you could say it this way, something's kind of missing from our life. Something's just missing. And this is actually why Jesus came and he died. Because he knew because of sin and how we live in a fallen world, something we'd be missing from the life of all of humanity. And so what happened was, is this little piece, when Adam and Eve trespassed against God, this little piece of the puzzle was taken out. And it was missing. And so now when you hold it up, it's no longer complete. Everyone say complete. And so what we've been trying to do is we've got another, I love Christmas. Oh, does anybody else love Christmas as much as I love Christmas? I, I, dude, I'm a big fan. I'm a fan of the cold I'm a fan of the decorations. I'm a fan of the music. I'm even low-key kind of a fan of Santa. I mean, the dude's just a happy, jolly fella. And so what I would love to do, let me see. I need a volunteer. Um, Charlie, you always volunteer. Raina always volunteers. Alex always volunteers. I want someone who doesn't usually volunteer. I'm looking at Jacob, and Jacob's like, don't look at him. Don't look at him. Don't look at him. Let me see. Who doesn't usually volunteer? You want, no, I had to come. Anna and I, you want to come up? Am I saying your name wrong? I'm sorry. 
I don't know why I'm messing up. Zay, you want to come up? I'm saying it right. She was looking at me weird, like I was saying it wrong. Here, why don't both of you come up together? <laughs> All right, so look. Now, what I want you guys to do is this piece is missing. And you have all these pieces right here. And these pieces represent everything in this life. I want you to complete this puzzle using any one of these pieces that you want. I want that one. Use any of these pieces. <laughs> Use any of those pieces and complete that puzzle. Go ahead, try it. No, you can't have this one. <laughs> For the sake of this illustration, you can't have it. And so they're trying. <laughs> We are going to be here for a while. Now, I wanted to take out one of the centerpieces, but I couldn't get it out. I tried today, and it just wasn't easy. It was just like, this didn't work. Without destroying the entire puzzle, I couldn't get that middle piece out. So I went to the corner. So we'll give you about 35 more seconds. Go ahead. Keep trying. I want that one, You can't have this one. I love your ambition, and I love that you know the answer, but false. <laughs> Go, Anaya. <laughs> Messing the puzzle up. Mess, ooh, messing the puzzle up. What? I shouldn't have called brother and sister up here. We're about to have a sibling fight break out. All right, now stop. Now, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I want both of you to give an answer. Did it work? Yes. No. Yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work. Okay, all right. All right, go sit down. You go, before you guys start fighting, go sit down. Go sit down. Look, they tried all these different pieces. And nothing worked. And I like what Xavier said. As she was trying to get the pieces in here, he actually said, you're ruining the rest of the puzzle. <laughs> Which wasn't a part of my service tonight, but it actually makes sense. When we take this piece, which is our relationship with Jesus, and we try to fill it with all these other pieces, whether it's a relationship with a boy or a girl that we're not supposed to have, maybe it's a relationship with something that's worldly. Maybe it's drugs Maybe it's cheating. Whatever it is, it's something that's not from God and it's not supposed to be a part of our life. And we try to fill this spot with it. These pieces, no matter what it is, the things I mentioned or the things I didn't mention, no matter what it is, we could try all day long and it's never going to fit that spot. It's never going to finish that spot. And this is what people do all the time. They get like one piece and it doesn't fill it up. There's still this giant vacancy there. So they take another piece and they just start pouring stuff in there and pouring stuff in there and pouring stuff in there. But here's the truth, guys. Without God, we'll never be complete. Without him, we'll never be perfect. And it reminds me with a very interesting example in the Bible when Jesus meets the woman at the well over in, I think it's John chapter 5. No, it's John chapter 4. <clears throat> Jesus meets this woman at the well and he's talking to her. And Jesus is just so cool, man. He's just as cool as the other side of the pillow. Dude's just got it together. You know what I mean? Anybody get hot at night and you flip over the pillow and it's nice and cool and you're just like, that is wonderful. Am I the only one that does that? That's Jesus always. And he's sitting here, him and his disciples are leaving Galilee and they're headed to this other place. And uh, the, the disciples are like, we should go this way. And Jesus is like, no, let's go through Samaria. And G the, the disciples are like, we don't talk to Samaritans. We don't want to go through Samaria. And Jesus is like, we're going through Samaria. And so so he sees this well. It's actually a well up on a hill that Jacob's ancestors put there. And he's like, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go get something to drink. You guys go into town and get food. And Jesus is sitting up there, but he's not just doing it on accident. He knows he's there for a divine appointment. And here comes this lady walking up. And she's got this 
canister, this bucket. She's going to lower it down. And Jesus is like, yo, girl, give me a drink. <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm not going to give you a drink. And so Jesus starts having a conversation with her. And Jesus was like, if you drink from the cup that I give, you'll never be thirsty again. And the woman at the well is like, you don't even have a jar to give me a drink. And Jesus is like, I'm talking, to, and it's so cool how he just segues it right into eternal life. And then he gets, you know, him and this young lady, they're talking, and they get talking about her husband, and she's like, I don't have a husband. And Jesus is like, you're right, you have five. She'd been married and divorced four different times, and now she's on her fifth husband. And what's happening with this woman at the well, and then Jesus shows her through prophesying to her about how she's had multiple husbands, and she realizes this is the Messiah sitting here. And when she realizes it's Jesus sitting there, she runs into the towns. She's like, I'm going to tell everyone. And Jesus is like, I knew you would. And she runs into the towns, and she's so excited. And the reason she's so excited, guys, is because she found the missing piece. She found what she was looking for, that five relationships couldn't fulfill. She finally finds the missing piece. Now, I don't have anybody on the computer for me tonight, and I was going to have them put the scripture up, but I'll just use my phone real quick. It's over in Thessalonians, chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, out of the Message Bible. Now listen to the scripture as we close. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole. Now what I love about this, may God himself, there's only one that can make us holy and make us whole. Now, when we say holy, we look at that word and lots of times we get scared. We think it's talking about some sort of dress, long hair, jean dresses, whatever. It's not talking about attire. If you look up holiness, the work and definition of holiness in the Greek is devotion to God. And the reason why God can make you holy is because he knows once you taste and see that he's good, then nothing else will satisfy. And that's true with what scriptures teach us, right? And so when someone has experienced God, they're going to be holy and devoted to him alone. But look at this. It says, may God himself. So who's the one that's going to do this? God himself. May God himself who makes everything, I like to say it this way, or everyone holy and whole, make you. Someone say me. me. Come on. Say it loud. Say me. me. Make you holy and whole. I love this next part. Put you together. That woman at the well who had many different relationships with many different men, she was broken. And lots of times when we're broken and when something is missing from our lives, we run from thing to thing to try to be satisfied. We run from thing to thing to try to be complete. I know this was my testimony when I was in high school. I, I, I dismissed God in my life because my dad had been a pastor and I'd heard it for a long time and I was getting some pressure from school and so I backslid and I turned my back on him and when I turned my back on him, there was a vacancy on the inside of me and so I started looking to other things to fill that vacancy, to fill that void, but only God can fill that. When there's brokenness and letdown and, and, and unresolved things on the inside of us, only God can heal that. And so I love what he says right here. He says, God will put you together. Now look at this, spirit, soul, and body. What does that mean? He's going to take care of our whole being. He's going to take care of our spirit. That's what he said in Ezekiel. I'll take that heart of stone out of you. I'll put a new heart on the inside of you. He's going to take care of our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. You know, when you have God, your emotions, you don't have to worry about everything. 
You don't have to be freaked out about everything. You don't have to let your mind think worst case scenario because now when you walk into a situation and even though it looks bad, I've got Jesus so I can settle my mind and I can find rest in him because that's what the word says. Come to me who all who are heavy laden and burdened, come to me and find rest. It's amazing how it'll take care of my mind. And when my mind is scrambling, how's this gonna work out? I let God fill that void. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, what he spoke, my peace, I leave with you. And he takes care of my body. The Bible says he was whipped with that cat of nine tails and took 39 stripes on his back. And every single disease is categorized into one of those 39 categories. He took those stripes on his back so my body can be healed. Jesus made me whole. He made me perfect. He made me complete. Now that's not to say I won't have problems and issues and trials. But I know when I face those things, I can come out victorious because I'm made complete in him. Who's the one that does this? God does this. So I'm going to make you complete in spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it. God's completely dependable, guys. And this is why when we go to the puzzle of our life, And we take that one missing piece. And now if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is my encouragement to you. Hold on to him with everything. Hold on to him with everything. Don't let the world steal that peace from you. Don't let somebody, and this is what the book of Ephesians, over in chapter 4, he talks about this. He said there's going to be lots of people, they're going to come in. And they're going to come in with lies that sound like truth. And the reason they're coming with those is because they want this peace that makes the puzzle of your life complete. They want this peace. And I know we've all had friends. <laughs> we've had stuff in our life that have told us, you don't need this peace. You don't need that peace. It's okay. You don't need it. But here, friends, I'm telling you, every single one of us, we were created by God. Therefore, we need the peace of God to complete and finish our lives. There's no other way. And when we grab a hold of him, how do we do this? Well, it's simple. Romans talks about we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And when we do that, we invite him into our lives. And when we invite him into our lives, even though there may be chaos all around, even though it may not look like it, all of a sudden, we are complete. We are perfect. So if you have this relationship with Jesus, and maybe you haven't been very good at maintaining it lately, that's okay. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Don't, listen guys, can I just be completely honest and vulnerable with you for a second? There's times in my own life where I'm not very good at maintaining this relationship. I don't read my Bible as much as I should. I don't pray as much as I should. But even if I failed at maintaining it, one thing I never do is I never walk away from it. I never walk away from it. And this is what's so cool about Jesus is every time we're ready to take it to the next step, he's always there waiting. (laughs) And every time we're ready to come back and say, you know what, I haven't been maintaining, we come back. And I love this about him. He's He's just happy we came back. He's just happy we came back. And, and, and I want to get this through to you as I'm winding down. Understand, God is so happy with you and so pleased with you. He loves you. 
He made you. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at me. Are there things I need to work on? Absolutely. Are there things I need to get better at? Absolutely. Does sometimes my behavior make God angry? Yes, it does. But he's not mad at me. And that would help somebody tonight if you knew that. Not only knew that, but believe that. God's not mad at you. Are there some things about your life he wants you to change? Sure. Absolutely. We always are supposed to be doing that. From glory to glory. I'm supposed to be better tomorrow than I was today. And that's a journey. Like the Apostle Paul said, I have not yet obtained perfection. But this thing I'm doing is I'm running towards Jesus. I'm running towards Jesus. I've got my eyes on the prize. I'm letting go of those things that beseech me. And I'm running after him. And the only way we can do that, I really believe this, is we got to know that he makes us complete. He's not mad at us, but he wants to do life with us. If you would, just close your eyes, bow your heads real quick. Maybe there's somebody in here tonight, and you know who you are. It's just been a part of your puzzle that's been missing. Part of your puzzle. It's no accident that you're here tonight to hear this message. You've got that space in your life that, man, we try to fill it with so many different things. And not even necessarily bad things. Maybe we fill it with friends, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, the only one that can make us perfect, that can make us complete, that can make us whole and our mind, our soul, and our body is this relationship with Jesus Christ.